0: For the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the
1: hands of a god who never
0: sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs Of God who never sleeps.
1: Hey and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And unfortunately, Sam was not able to be with us for this episode today, but we are really excited to share an interview that we've done with Samuel Martin, the author of Thy Rod and Thy Staff, They Comfort Me. He was gracious enough to give us his time, and we are really, really happy with the way it turned out, so we hope you are too. And uh, without further ado, here is the interview.
2: All right, so we are really glad to have Samuel Martin on the show with us today. Uh, Samuel, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure, thank you, Abby. Um, I live in Israel. I have lived here since 2001. I'm married and I have two children. And I have been an activist uh, concerning the issue of corporal punishment, uh, spanking. Uh, for In the Christian community. Uh, going back to when I really first started to research this is in the mid 90s. So I wrote a book in 2006. It's called Thy Rod on Thy Step. They Comfort Me, Christians and the Spanking Controversy. And uh, I have used, used that book as my main platform to educate Christians uh, concerning this issue.
2: Yeah, and Katie and I have actually both read that book ourselves and we are huge fans of it. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you came to be interested in this subject matter. What kind of sparked your passion about it?
0: You know, my earliest memory was being, being spanked uh, when I was about three in Switzerland um i got too close to to the edge in the alps and uh uh i can remember um my my parents uh my father administering spanking at that time uh it's it's the earliest thing that i remember uh i grew up in a family of a biblical scholarship my father was a an interdisciplinary religious scholar he Before he got into social sciences, into religious studies, he had a scientific background. So he was um, able to, he published uh, 15 major books um, on a whole range of different biblical subjects, uh, science, astronomy. Uh, He was an expert in geography, was an expert in biblical studies. So I I grew up with this, I was a small boy. I lived in Israel for five summers. Uh, We were involved in archeology, span bringing students to work on the largest excavation in Jerusalem in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, I later in life, when I was in my early 20s, I worked directly with my father for 12 years supporting him in his in his work so I worked in an administrative capacity but I also helped him to to read his manuscripts to you know be a, be a I was in this environment of high level academics so I guess you could say I was I was trained by him directly I was his his apprentice and I got to see how he how he did his work how he formulated his ideas, how he did his research and so on and so forth. So when you're around somebody who has this huge body of work, you want to and when you start to formulate some of your own ideas and start thinking about things that you might like to, to write on, you don't want to, you know, do the same things that, that your dad did. So I I was always kind of interested in Proverbs and during that time I was uh, in university, I was studying at the undergraduate level. I studied Middle Eastern studies and anthropology. So wow. that included Hebrew Hebrew language. And so, you know, all of these things kind of came together. And it was, I found it to be kind of an open area where I could I could write and research and do something that had a little bit more of a pastoral element. I think I have a little bit more of a pastoral bent. So this is what led me into this particular issue.
1: Uh, oh, wow. It's quite the story. Yeah. That's a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of cool things that brought you where you are. Um, can you tell us a little bit? You said you were interested in, in Proverbs. Can you tell us a little bit about Proverbs uh, as a book? Uh, would you mind giving us a, a brief introduction of, of Proverbs?
0: sure it's uh it's a very interesting book it's it's uh mysterious it's uh complicated it's um has elements to it which uh, are found even outside of scripture in fact Hmm. so uh, proverbs is of course found in the hebrew bible in the old testament in the third section of the hebrew bible the hebrew bible has three parts it has the torah the first five books of moses then it has the prophets section which includes the uh, books of uh, joshua and judges uh, the books of the kings the kings and samuel and then you have the uh, major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and then you have the minor prophets, the 12. So you have these uh, books, and then you have the, the third section of the, the Old Testament, and this is where we find Proverbs. You have Psalms, Proverbs, and Job, which are the first three books of this section. And these three books are very masculine in their orientation, generally speaking, and they're followed by another section, just after that which has a more feminine orientation which includes Ruth, Lamentations, Song of Songs, Esther, and Ecclesiastes. These five books are uh, a part of this, this section. So let's get back to Proverbs. Proverbs is, uh, you have Psalms, Proverbs, and Job. You have It's the second book of this third section. So what you have in this book is you have a compendium of ancient wisdom that is uh, that was collected by Solomon, and that was you can see even in the chapter twenty-five where it talks about the men of Hezekiah mm-hmm. coming into the picture and being involved. So you have people adding to this book after the time of Solomon. You have that that clear reference to Hezekiah. So it's it's a it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful book, and it's this. It's this book that I was really very much drawn to. And it's, of course, as we know, it's it's the one that creates so many challenges concerning the issue of of corporal punishment.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I can see why you were so interested in this book. It's a fascinating book, for sure. A lot of that I I was not not aware of. Yeah. So um, speaking of the spanking verses, we could go ahead and dive right into those if you'd like, can you briefly share an overview of the six words in Hebrew that are translated in English as simply child? I think that's a pretty important point to address here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Hebrew Bible has uh, it's a, a lot of different volumes are, are put together in a whole, so I, I really tried to find my way through this material in in a way that that made sense because there are there are texts that are that are kind of a little bit confusing so Mm -hmm. but but at the same time i encountered this work by uh alfred edersheim he was a i believe he was came from a, a hebraic jewish background and he became a believer in in jesus and the messiah and he was able to take, he, he was able to bring in his Hebraic background, his his Jewish upbringing and the thing, his learning and his knowledge of, of Hebrew and the, um, the, the Jewish sources. So he uh, gave this sort of framework that, that really, really, I found in it a, uh, a, a very, very logical and reasonable kind of framework to, to work with because I was looking at these various phrases, these various words that are often just translated, like you said, child. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, they have this, each one of them, uh, if you look at them carefully, it's not really appropriate to, to use the, the, the term child because certainly all... Um, all nursing nursing babies are are children, but not all children are, are nursing babies. And,
1: right, uh,
0: uh, or suckling sucklings, or uh, all all children who are, are going through weaning are certainly children, but not all. It's 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 vice versa. Uh, so it's it's it really it, you know in wanting to try to be honest with the material and at least let individuals who are studying these uh, issues have, have a glimpse into the, the original text, because if you talk about infant, uh, and, you know, newborn infant, nursing child, uh, uh, child being weaned, uh, then you, you have uh, young youth, uh, and then you start to get into teenager and so on. So these are all things that we're very familiar with. and. Um, Mr. Edersheim, he also saw this progression and he was able to, in a very, very good way, explain it and to illustrate how the Hebrew language has this kind of pictures through the, the use of these nouns, which are linked to verbs. Uh, so the the noun yonech which is linked to uh, the verb yonech is linked to the noun um, tinoch, uh, which is means uh, a child who's nursing. So, mm-hmm. and, and it has it means yonech it means to suck. That's that's what it means in, in Hebrew. So, and it, all these other words have these same kinds of, of meanings relative to the particular description of the the uh the the child at hand so you can really see in in these particular words um more meaning than but then when you when you really look at proverbs and you look at uh the the material that you find in it you know it doesn't really lend itself to talk It's subject matter that is is really speaking of small children it's mm-hmm. it's, it's so the subject matter is starts to be a little bit more mature mm-hmm. and uh the, the, the you know when you look in the early sections it's talking about finding the right partner or uh avoiding the wrong uh, inappropriate relationships you know these aren't really right. subjects that are that are to be discussed with young people per se it's, it's much more someone who's starting to think about moving towards marriage and moving towards selecting a partner right, from, right. from the male point of view. So these all these words, I studied them carefully and I tried to present them in a reasonable way in my book.
2: Yeah, and you did such a fantastic job as well. I think especially those that first chapter that really goes through them in detail sets up why it's important to understand um, these words. So can you explain just a little bit about the words that are used in Proverbs that are translated, child specifically, uh, na'ar. I don't know if I'm saying that correct, but why Nar. that word. Na'ar. <laughs> why that's um, such a significant word as far as the book of
0: Proverbs goes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's introduced at the very beginning of the text as, you know, to give this young, young man knowledge and, and wisdom. And certainly we, we, we all understand that, that these kinds of subjects are philosophical in nature. They're um, more complex. They require a, a, a mind that is a little bit more mature to, to grasp them and to appreciate them. This is, in in the very first six verses, it talks about this young man being given to give him his direction in life. So, you know, I I was looking at that and looking at some of the other things that we know about some of the other books in this wisdom section, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes, for example, or the Song of Songs, so this is, this is the thing, you, you, you have to look at the, the, the whole section and you have to look at the, the, the material in question and say that this is, you know, we're not talking about material overall that is designed for very small kids. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not talking about that. It's not, it's not, you know, small kids generally can't really appreciate wisdom. They yeah they, they, it's, it's, they, they, they just can't I mean or, you know people who are my age in our in our 50s are still trying to grasp it you know right
2: so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, can we just briefly walk through the verses um, in Proverbs that spanking advocates use to defend their position
0: yeah the first one is is proverbs 10:13 it says that Um, It refers to, uh, on the lips of one who has understanding, wisdom is found, but the rod is for the back of him that that lacks sense. Then you have uh, Proverbs 13, 24, 23 and 24, and it says, this is the one one that's really well known, those who spare the rod hate their, their children. Actually, the, the text that I'm reading from is a very very poor translation. Uh, but those who love them uh, are diligent to discipline them. So this is 1324. Then you have 2215, which says, uh, I was looking at this earlier, and it's actually a pretty decent translation. It says, Folly is bound up in the heart of the boy, but the rod of discipline drives him far from him. And then you have 23, 13, and 14. And these two are very uh, commonly quoted. So don't withhold discipline from your children. If you eat them with a rod, they they won't die. If you eat them with a rod, you'll save their their lives from Sheol. Uh, This is actually quite quite a good translation here as well. But when you read it in the King James Version, it it reads that you'll uh, save their souls from hell. So... People read that and they, they say, Well, we definitely want to do this, you know, so we, we have to spank them so we s- save them from going to hell. All right. I've addressed that in, in, a, in an appendix in my book and how we really need to try to understand that in a deeper way. And then you, you have Proverbs 29 15, it says, The rod and the truth get wisdom. Okay. These are the, 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 the major. Text. You also have nineteen eighteen Proverbs nineteen eighteen, mm-hmm. which which should also be mentioned. This is a, a very very problematic text in the King James Version, which I've addressed directly in my book in a whole chapter. And it says, discipline your children while there is hope, but, but do not set your heart on their destruction. Yeah. So these these texts are are the. Uh, the, the clear and plain teachings of scripture that many people refer to. They're, they're so easy to understand. And uh, we, we, you know, we just need the literal sense of what they're saying. And this is what we, people will tell us. And frankly, uh, I used to believe that myself until I began mm-hmm. to, to look at things more Uh, in depth
1: yeah would you mind with those verses you know the use of the word rod and that that concept is just is the big thing you know would you mind um, kind of explaining what the rod means in those verses like what the the uses of uh, of the rod across across those verses would mean in the the different contexts
0: yeah, I mean this. The the word there is a similar Hebrew word that is used in all of those those ones that I mentioned, except for Proverbs nineteen eighteen, and it's the Hebrew word shevet. So the the rod uh, they talk about the rod of correction, and uh, it, it appears to be a uh, you know some type of a, of a stick, and uh, we we know that in the the uh, judicial text, and we also have evidence of, uh, of this in the New Testament. St. Mm-hmm. Paul describes himself being beaten by by rods, by yeah. uh, in a in a uh, a, a court or a, a judicial environment. So, and not only that, it would affect not only the individual child; it it would stain the reputation of the family mm-hmm. as well. And this was. You know, it would affect all kinds of, of ways of, of connecting with the society. So there were very strong regulations in place within the society of shame versus honor. And so the the, the correction that fathers were, were giving at that time. You know, if if a youth was getting into a situation where he's approaching this this these boundaries where outside of those boundaries you're starting to to, to do things that are very hard to undo. This mm-hmm. is the thing. I mean, it it's, it's, has a literal element. It has also a, element of, of, a symbolic element of, of authority. So yeah. I think you have to really study the, the culture, the society, and definitely you don't want to look at these texts and separate them from the, the entirety of Scripture. Right. Well, you, 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 that's a, that's in my view. That's a very very serious mistake. Um, the society that they were in, you know, the uh, circumstances of the geography. The there are many different elements. There's a lot of different flesh that we who are studying scripture from an academic point of view. It would seem to me, makes sense to to try to put put a, a good flesh on the skeleton. That, yeah that we have in the scripture, you know, because I I feel that the scripture takes place in time, in history, in society, in yeah. culture. So I have a background in, in anthropology. So I'm trying to look at things, look at trying to fill in some of these gaps that, mm-hmm. that are not really so um, clearly presented in scripture that, uh, in a in a systematic way. So that's what I really try to do with my research is to try right. to, to, to paint the color a, a little bit of, of, you know, it's 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 kind of like a systematic theology of childhood, right. uh, of, of, of parenting. The reason that I mention that is because we're trying to position Proverbs within that hole or this information within this whole that we can see and try to do it in a way that, Appreciate the, 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 this whole picture that is being pra- painted and not get too bogged down or to certainly the misunderstanding by focusing on one or two texts.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think that that's I, one of the, the biggest problems with these verses is that they are completely, uh, in the modern context, completely divorced from their original context. And that actually brings me to kind of a double question. Would anyone uh, reading this from the original context have taken any of these verses to mean spank your two-year-old? And in that way, the the second part of this question is, um, are there any of those verses that could legitimately, um, uh, in a way, support an argument for spanking a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old? In your opinion, is there any ground for that kind of interpretation?
0: I mean to to answer the the last part first. Uh, I would just say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to answer the first part, I mean regarding a two year old, uh, I I have a little bit of material in in my book, and and this really needs needs much more research because you know uh, children uh, in the the biblical period obviously were were very precious they are to, to, to us today but but you know the instances of infants um, uh, passing away or uh, getting sick or things like that um, were you know they, they didn't have the facilities that we, we have today to, to, to care for them it seems to me that little children were carried, much, much more uh, physically by their mothers up until they were uh, two, uh, two and a half. Mm-hmm. To, for, for protection purposes, uh, I don't. I think the children were socialized a little bit differently in that period because they spent a lot, a lot more time in a very close proximity to their mothers and being carried uh, yeah. physically much more and. We see this a little bit in Africa. You if you see how uh, in some countries babies will be carried much, much more, and they're very used to it, and they're, you know, it's very, very normal. And the reason that they do that is because of some of these reasons that I've just mentioned. It's for protection. It's right. for to facilitate uh, the mother being able to, to go about her business during the day with you know, knowing that her baby is safe because he's right there with her, you know yeah yeah so this this is the thing i just don't think that i, I think the children were socialized very very differently and i think that it has a very profound uh impact on, on a child if he's spend a lot of time being carried by his mom because you, you're, you're just not not engaging in uh in things that you have to do with a two-year-old at a distance, if you're always holding, right. if you're always holding him, and if you're when you go to bed, he's right there with you. When you wake up, he's right there next to you.
1: Let me try and distill what I what I I think you're saying to make sure I understand. Uh, um, is it that the push to be harsh in order to? Um, to have a child come here. You know, that's, that's one of the things, like you stop running right now and come here. Like that is a big thing for two-year-olds and moms that get, or and dads that get impatient and upset. Uh, and one of the reasons people have for spanking, uh, and or you're saying that at that time, it would have been a totally different thought process as far as what to do to, to keep them close or to keep them safe. And so, like the, the spanking wouldn't have entered the the equation for them.
0: I just I just don't I just don't see how uh, it would be it would be um, a, a part of the, the process uh, because you're 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 not letting the child get away from you, you know, mm. he even begin with
2: him.
0: yeah no because you're carrying him you're holding him if you've been carrying him around long enough it, it seems like there's a different dynamic rather than he was allowed to just run around at at two. Mm. And you know, as is very, very common with with us today, I I just feel that children had far less freedom than than they had today in ancient times due to protection issues.
1: Mm. Um,
0: We we see in in, in the Torah that the houses were required to have fences around the upper floors. Uh, and by law, and this gives you an indication that children had to be had, were maybe they would allow them to move around in an area which was considered safe. You see, so they weren't worried that they were going to fall down or get bitten by a snake. Or you know, we even see this in the prophet Isaiah. He says, talking about the vision of heaven. Yeah, the child plays on the on the hole of the, of an adder, you know, an asp, a cobra. We have the cobra also here in, in this part of the world. And uh, there's there's no worries because he can't get bitten and, and die in heaven. You know, this is the, the vision of, of Isaiah, of the world to come. But the, the the vision of Isaiah and the world to come is exactly opposite in the world we are here now because people were worried about those kinds of things. And I, I think it has a dramatic impact. there are there are some proverbs that I have heard that are used in the uh, animal husbandry society, you know, be gentle with your child until he's seven, but from seven until 14, maybe be a little bit tougher, but from 14 to 21, then he starts to be a man, you know, and, and then he should be should be able to, to run on his own, you know, I've heard some, some one one scholar that I have a lot of respect for, Professor Clinton Bailey, talked about that. He's one of the leading experts here in Israel in the Middle East on Bedouin society. These you are know, people who are living in tents and, and, and practicing animal husbandry just as they would have in in ancient times. And I think that while we can't can't say that that we we can, you know. Um, it's not a carbon copy of, of the ancient society but there are certainly some elements that i think are i think you could say there are some similarities
1: yeah
0: so um, yeah I, I personally think that, that children were socialized very very different than they, than yeah. they are today
1: to just clarify as the last point here um just to make sure I'm, I'm understanding things correctly, because it's just, it's a lot of information, a lot of really good information. I just want to make sure I'm, I got this right. That Solomon most likely was not instructing his son that if you don't hit your five-year-old w- with an implement, <laughs> that he's going to go to hell. Is that, is that kind of what, that's not what he would have ever been implying. You mean no. with the verse as far as, um with the verses, his life? Yeah. Right, and with the verses that are used to justify spanking in pretty much any context, uh, that's not what Solomon was intending with those verses.
0: No, that's that's right. It's um, as I said, it's it's talking about something that that was. in a circumstance where, as I said, you're starting to reach the boundaries of, yeah. of appropriate behavior within the society, then it becomes a matter of to save your soul from from death to save your life from from death that's that's one of the things that's that's mentioned um, and if if you're talking about life and death and, and, and you know uh, people had a great investment in, in in those in those times
2: yeah. That's so important, and we just really appreciate your scholarship on this matter. It just personally for us, it's it's been so helpful, and I know many in the gentle parenting community have have said the same. That's where we saw it recommended first, so um, it's really important. And I know you have some more work on corporal uh, punishment coming out, so we will definitely keep our audience attuned to that because. Uh, we're excited to have more scholarship on this topic in the yes. in the near future.
0: Well, thank you very much. I I really uh, appreciate your your affirmation and your support and your your love and, and kindness. The scripture, I mean, has uh, it's 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 full of truth. It is the truth. But we, we want to, to to learn more about it and to Amen. bring it into our lives today and, and make it practical practical relevant and, and meaningful and to, to feel comfortable with it and, and, and to love it and to 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 appreciate it and, and for, for the for the beauty and the, the truth that it's giving us.
1: Yeah. Well I think this is the perfect place to wrap up. That's a really great note to end on. So thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find our show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.